Hey, world, have you seen my toothbrush? Well, oh, must be out of the shops or something. Oh, I should call him. We need more bananas. Where did I put my phone? Uh, oh, here it is. Oh, no. A green blinking light on my phone. They've hacked my phone now. James. Wait, no. Walt isn't even here. You can't abduct me without Walt. You are required for Command Zero. Command Zero? Initiate transportation sequence to broadcast station. No, 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 no. Wait, what do you mean by Command Zero? zero, Okay, hello, Commander players. Um, I guess I gotta do Walt's thing now. Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you have better games of your command, of your commander, of, of commander, of your commander games. Um, you can tell I don't do this intro very often on my own. Uh, I guess I'm your only host today, James. Um, I am currently being abducted um, by the Space Commander's Solo, which is a very uh, unusual experience. But I found myself in the broadcast station here, and there is a green blinking light in front of me. So I guess I have an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. James, alongside Walt, you have advocated for adherence to the Rule Zero conversation and have provided guidelines to ensure balanced games of Commander. We require robust examples of these deck descriptions for our database. Provide Command Zero for the deck helmed by Tornos, Urza's apprentice. Okay, all right. Okay, I guess uh, they abducted me solo because this is my deck. Uh, I built it and they want me to make a command zero, which I imagine uh, they're referring to like rule zero, like they said, which so they want me to do that. Now, some context, I guess, for everyone for our rule zero. We, Walt and I, as the command uh, said, the space commanders know we endorse uh, and advocate for the inclusion of Rule Zero conversations in your gameplay. But if you're unfamiliar, Rule Zero is the pre-game discussion. So it's not to be confused with the Commander Rules Committee's definition of Rule Zero, because Rule Zero in their eyes is like basically unbanning a card or a set of cards for a play group. So like, for example, they could play Infinity cards or, you know, they allow uh, Leovold to be a commander. That That's what they believe a Rule Zero is. But at here at Get Commanded, we think the Rule Zero conversation is the pre-game discussion. And that includes unbanning and banning cards for specific tables. So in terms of the discussion, Walt and I have actually outlined a template a couple of times in the podcast. But it's great to finally have an episode or a broadcast, I guess, as the Space Commanders would put it, to really highlight what our template is. So... Our template for a Rule Zero conversation, if you've not heard it before, is really based around three main questions. So the first question is, how does your deck win? 
The second question is how consistently does it win? And the third question is how does your deck stop its opponents from winning? Now we have recently added a bit of a bonus question to Rule Zero Conversations, and that's how much experience have you as a pilot of this deck got playing Commander? This is a really, really good inclusion for Rule Zero Conversations because it highlights some part uh, of Commander deck power. Like uh, your, your deck can be... Uh, on that numerical scale of power level nine, and it can be really, really powerful. But if you've got a really inexperienced player piloting it, it's not as powerful. Um, on the on the inverse, you could have someone that is piloting a you know lower powered deck that isn't very consistent and doesn't win a lot, but they have years and years of commander and they're really good at the game. That deck instantly becomes more powerful. So. I guess this uh, broadcast is going to be structured around this rule zero template. And I am going to provide a command zero for my Tornos Urza's Apprentice deck. Um, so I'll, I'll start with a little bit of overview and background of the deck. Uh, for those that don't know, my Tornos deck, which by the way, is linked in the show notes for this episode if you want to go and have a look at it directly. The deck's name on Moxfield, I really love. It's called Tornos All Charged Up because this deck was actually part of or built for an event uh, that my local game store ran called the Hipsters uh, event. Basically, you had to build a commander deck that had less than 750 commanders on EDH Wreck. And I chose Tornos as his apprentice, and it's still got, I think, less than 300 decks built around it. Um, so I decided to go with a charge counter sub theme to make it kind of budget friendly. Um, so this deck is just full of artifacts that utilize charge counters. Um, charge counters are notoriously very slow and um, not very powerful, but this is where the commander comes in. Tornos as his apprentice uh, makes them super powered. Uh, so that's why the deck is called Tornos All Charged Up. So I'll read the commander for you. Uh, it's Tornos as his apprentice for a blue and a red. Surprising nobody. It's an is it deck. <laughs> you get a legendary creature, human artificer that is a 1-3 with haste that also has the ability pay a blue and a red and tap him. Copy, target, activated, or triggered ability you control from an artifact source. You may choose new car, uh, copies for the targets. Now, manner abilities cannot be targeted is part of the uh, reminder text for this ruling. Uh, so if you're already in your mind brewing some ways to go infinite mana, it's actually pretty challenging, but there's definitely ways you can do it. So Tornos is basically just supercharging charge counters in this deck. That's the whole point. And since it's first build, it's had a lot of upgrades. So I may list some cards in this episode that are definitely not budget friendly, but this is now the deck past that event of budget builds and being hipsters. And I've tried to get some really powerful stuff going on in here. But it's essentially a combo deck. Um, not much of this deck does a lot on its own, but you combine certain cards together and you can build a really strong engine. And I guess that leads me into that first question on the Rule Zero template, which is how does this deck win? Um, surprisingly, this deck has a lot of win cons. And by a lot of win cons, I've kind of identified five key win conditions uh, and, an, and a lot of cards that could be called win con cards. Um, but they have to be combined to do something. Like I said, it's a combo deck. So it's not your typical overrun is a win con or overwhelming stampede is a win con. This deck has a little bit more nuance to it. So the first win condition in this deck, I'm going to call like the Brutoclad token beatdown. So I use Brutoclad Telecore Engineer, which is a six mana creature that basically makes a 
2-1 Mir at the beginning of your combat step, and then each other token, any token you control becomes a copy of one token you control. So, for example, if you have a you know, uh, uh, 2-1 Mir and six treasure tokens, you can turn all of your tokens into either a 2-1 Mir or treasure tokens. This is really powerful because a lot of the lines that I use to win with this are cards like Mere Battlesphere, where I just create tons and tons of tokens. I also run Worm Coil Engine in this deck, which um, when it dies, you create a 3-3 colorless worm artifact creature token with death touch and another 3-3 with lifelink. Um, if you can create a bunch of life-linking worms and make token copies across your board and make a huge board state with cards like even like a Rotary Hatchery, it's an XX artifact that enters with X charge counters on it. You can pay five and tap it and put one one green snakes tokens into play for each charge counter on it. You can generate a lot of mana in this deck and poop out a huge board full of wide, wide going tokens, turn them into something cool like a, yeah, like a worm coil token with death touch and just swing out at your opponents. This deck beats down really, really hard if you get Brutal Cloud on field. Some really cool tokens to copy include Triplicating Titan as well. It's even better if you can make a copy, like a token copy of Triplicating Titan, which there are definitely ways to do in this deck. I run um, Mimic Vat, a three mana uh, artifact where you can, basically whenever a creature dies, you can exile it with Mimic Vat and then you can pay three and tap it and create a token of the exiled creature. And you can keep doing this if there's a better creature that dies later on in the game. Game, you can just replace the exiled imprinted card that's under Mimic Vat currently and make a stronger one. I recently just did this with a Solemn Simulacrum and was making a Solemn Simulacrum every single turn. And with Tornos, I can copy the ability of Mimic Vat and make two tokens. And then Brutal Cloud can turn all of my tokens into the copy of token. So that's like the first win con. Um, the second win con, I guess, is the more consistent one. It, I'm calling it mana for days and outvaluing people. Um, I do run um, Unwinding Clock in this deck. It is a four mana artifact that untaps all artifacts you control during each other player's untap step. So basically, if I have a ton of mana producing artifacts and a ton of abilities that I can activate on other people's turns that are activate, uh, are artifacts, I untap them every single untap step and can basically have a turn in everyone else's turn, which is wild. Um, Storm the Vault allows me to generate just a ton of mana in these situations. Storm the Vault is a two blue and a red legendary enchantment um, that has a clause on it that whenever you deal combat damage with a uh, creature you control, you create a treasure token, which is a bit weird. But then at the beginning of your end step, if you control five or more artifacts, you transform it. So it pretty much always transforms in this deck. And it always turns into Vault of Katlakan, which is a legendary land that taps for a mana of any color or taps for blue mana equal to the number of artifacts you control. Um, which, if you're not familiar, is like Telerian Academy. And that's banned in our format so basically this card is a banned card in this deck which is kind of wild um i also run magistrate scepter which can go infinite turns with a lot of setup uh, i need like four other cards to make this combo work but magistrate scepter is a three mana artifact that says you can 
pay four and tap it, put a charge counter on Magistrate Scepter, and then it has another activated ability where you can tap it, remove three charge counters from it, and take an extra turn. So you can see the situations I can get in with Tornos. If I copy that extra turn, I have two extra turns, then I can keep using my turns to put more charge counters on it and get in a situation where I can always take an extra turn and always get to the end of the game. So that's definitely another win con. I also love Dragon Spark Reactor in this deck. It's a recently printed card from Kamigawa. Uh, it's a one and a red artifact. And when it, whenever it or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you put a charge counter on it, and then you can pay four and sacrifice it. And Dragon Spark Reactor will deal the damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to a target player and that much damage to up to one target creature. So if you copy that ability with Tornos, you can just throw sometimes 20, 30 damage at someone's face or split it across two people and it's, it's really efficient. It comes out very early in the game. And if you just create a bunch of tokens that are artifacts or even just keep casting your mana rocks, this thing has like 12 charge counters on it in no time. Um, I really like this as a potential win con. It's not happened for the deck yet, but Rise and Shine for one and a blue target non-creature artifact you control becomes a zero zero, put four plus one counters on it uh, and it becomes a creature. Um, it's wild. You can overload this card for four blue and a blue as well. So all of your non-token, sorry, all of your non-token artifacts, no, sorry, non-creature artifacts you control become four fours and you can just swing out and kill people. Um, I also run Mind Slaver in this deck, with, which is another win con. Uh, you can just take control of people's turns uh, by sacrificing Mind Slaver, and you can copy that ability with Torno. So you can see where the win con comes from there. Um, now, it's pretty rare to have so many win conditions in this deck. So naturally, I end up running a lot of enhancers in this deck. Now, we've talked about in the deck building template that you shouldn't run so many enhancers in your deck. But because all of these win cons require combinations to get there, all of the combo pieces like cards that untap Tornos, like Patriarch's Seal, um, even Ralzarek, the Planeswalker, Manamo School at Water's Edge, Kelpie guide um, these untapped tornos so I can un so I can copy abilities multiple times while they're on the sack so imagine me copying mind slaver for every single opponent that's pretty insane um, I also run like Battle Mage's Braces to copy Tornos' ability. I run other um, enhancers like Shimmermere, so I can basically play at flash speed on everyone's turn. It allows me to cast artifacts at flash speed. I also have Flux Channeler, which is uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell Proliferate, that gets those charge counters ramping up really quickly. And I also run a Redundancy uh, kind of sub-commander, which is Kurakesh on a on a key, Ancient, I think it's pronounced. Basically, whenever you activate an ability of an artifact, you can copy it by paying red, which is pretty nuts. Um, now, the thing that I love about this deck is when you're piloting it, it basically seems like a puzzle that you have to solve. It's like, you're right, you have 10 minutes to kill all your friends with this pile of junk kind of vibes. Now, versing this deck, it's pretty hard to threat assess. This deck plays seemingly non-important things like, um, you know, a golden urn. It's a one-mana artifact that puts a charge counter on it at the beginning of your upkeep. You sacrifice it to gain a life. It's not that great. Um, but once they all start clicking together, it really can overwhelm uh, your opponents and really win the game. So it's really hard to threat assess what is the right thing to remove. So that's how it wins. Um, the second question of our Rule Zero conversation was how consistently does it win? 
I have to say the mana curve of this deck is pretty high. It sits around 3.5. So while it does need a lot of setup to get going, uh, it's supported by a lot of ramp. I've counted 18 to 22 ramp cards, depending on how you cut them. And lots of them get better with my commander. For example, I can cast basically an explosive vegetations in Is It by using Wayfarer's Bauble and copying the ability with Wayfarer's Bauble to get two basic lands to the battlefield tapped. Sometimes I can even use liquid metal talk to turn myriad landscape into an artifact and then copy that ability with tornos which is pretty funny um treasure chest is pretty good in this deck makes a bunch of treasures this is also supporting the brutal cloud token win con like i said um there's a bunch of incredible ways to ramp in this deck um it doesn't run any fast mana other than soul ring but it's always going to generate a lot of mana. Um, I've never been mana screwed in this deck, so it's pretty consistent in that way. Uh, in terms of card draw, the card draw is pretty consistent. Um, I run Joy or Weatherlight Captain, so whenever I cast an artifact, which is every turn, I'm drawing a card. Um, even Planeswalkers like Tezzeret Betrayer of Flesh uh, basically upticks to do the draw two or discard two unless you discard an artifact. It's pretty strong. Um, and there are a couple of tutors which makes this deck a little bit more consistent, but they're pretty bad. Uh, for example, Treasure Chest does tutor an artifact to the battlefield if you roll a natural 20 when you sacrifice it. It's never happened to me. I also run Vexing Puzzle Box, which if you get to 100 charge counters on it, you can remove 100 charge counters and tutor an artifact to your hand, which is pretty nuts. Um, but I guess the most consistent one is Inventor's Fair. Inventor's Fair is a land that you can pay for and sacrifice it to tutor an artifact to your hand, which is very consistent. And I do have the, um, I, I believe I'm running the tutor a land expedition map. I am one mana, pay two, sacrifice expedition map, search your library for a land. And you can copy that with Tornos, get Manamo School at Water's Edge, like I mentioned before, that untaps Tornos. Uh, it's pretty strong tutor in the deck, I guess. Um, now, with the amount of mana that this deck generates, the burst card draw, and even just recursion that I run, um, like I run uh, like uh, the Academy Ruins and Buried Ruin, which are lands that recur artifacts to either top a library or your hand, it's pretty consistent. I would say that it's very strong and it stays within the game uh, pretty well. And it does recover from board wipes, even artifact-based board wipes, pretty strongly. Um, I will say that its pitfalls are artifact-based board wipes. Academy Ruins can't bring everything back. And additionally, if an opponent can threat assess correctly, usually just killing Torno so I can't go nuts with copying things a million times, um, I can't pop off as strongly as I would like to, but there are just some strong cards in this deck. Like, for example, if I have Memnarch, which can gain control of artifacts and turn things into artifacts, so you turn your opponent's commander into an artifact and steal it, if I have a ton of mana and I just cast Memnarch, I can generally recover pretty well. Um, but yeah, well-timed removal can own this deck as well. Uh, a well-timed removal spell on Dragonspark Reactor can turn 30 damage into five or six sometimes. So it it does fold to some well-timed removal spells, but it's pretty consistent. It's generating a ton of mana and it's generating a lot of card draw and it's got some really strong win cons, which it can pivot into pretty easily, which is pretty sweet. Um, sometimes... I will end up having a board with a bunch of artifacts with random uh, charge counters on it. Uh, and I just spin my wheels doing basically nothing. Um, or sometimes I'll draw like huge bomb creatures like Triplicating Titan, which is a nine drop that splits into three three threes when it dies. But I don't have enough mana 
to like get it out or enough ways to leverage it like a sacrifice outlet. Um, this is pretty rare though. I'd say it happens two out of 10 times. I end up like that. Most of the time it's pretty consistent. Uh, so I guess the last question I have to answer is how does it stop my opponents from winning? Um, now, in terms of removal, the deck runs two creature-based board wipes. A lot of the time, early game, people build up a creature board bigger than mine. So I need to cast a board wipe for creatures early in the game so I can activate a token-based win con later in the game. So I'm running Chain Reaction and Blasphemous Act, both red damage-based board wipes. Um, basically, with these, I basically use these before I deploy uh, the Bruderclad Wincon. Um, and there's a couple of cards that are actually really, really strong repeatable removal in this deck. Like I'm running Transmorgifying One, which is a three mana artifact that enters with three charge counters on it. I can pay one and tap it and remove a charge counter, destroy a target creature, and its controller creates a 2-4 white ox token. You can only activate this as a sorcery though, which is pretty lame. Um, but you can remove uh, a charge counter, copy the ability with Tornos, and remove two things which is pretty strong i also run um lux cannon which is pretty insane that is a four mana artifact that taps to put a charge counter on itself and then taps and removes three charge counters from itself and destroys a target permanent i always advocate for ways for people to remove problematic lands or problematic enchantments so lux cannon is a pretty cool way to do that in this deck um, but yeah, sometimes, uh, I will find my one counter spell in the deck and that can stop my opponents from winning. Uh, my one counter spell in this deck is fuel for the cause. Uh, it's two blue and a blue for a counter spell that says counter target spell, then proliferate. So proliferating my charge counters is pretty sweet. Um, sometimes it just gets you over the line to get the last counter you need on dragon spark reactor or lux cannon to do something else. And sometimes I will just mind slaver people to steal their win cons or waste them. Um, and that will stop them from winning, like casting an overwhelming stampede and swinging everywhere else but me or just not swinging at all kind of ruins their day. Um, other than that, there really isn't much way of interacting in this deck. I think there's a chaos warp in here, but essentially the deck has to go all in on its own strategy, otherwise it's going to do next to nothing. So not very interactive, but highly, highly consistent. So Tornos is a challenging deck to pilot, but it's very fun. The amount of different lines to winning makes it a build your own win con kind of play, which is never boring for me. It sits at a casual power level, but it does pack, pack some very powerful combos. They don't include a ton of salt um, as they are never never like out of nowhere these combos and often don't win me the game on the spot as long as your deck has access to removing artifacts and you can threat assess correctly. This deck can fit the pod just fine. So, Space Commanders, Command Received feels very weird to do that on my own. So, to you, the listeners, I guess the only people that I'm talking to right now. I miss my friend Walt. Uh, do you feel commanded? What do you think of my Tornos all charged up uh, deck? Do you like this episode? That's something that I want to know. Um, did you miss Walt in this episode? I did. Um, I would like Walt to come back. But let us know if you like this kind of episode. I guess the Space Commanders need some more information about how Rule Zero conversations work. And you know that Walt and I have a ton of decks. So who knows? Walt might get abducted solo next time. 
Uh, now, there's plenty of ways to talk to us and let us know if you like this episode. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, or threads, or you can send us an email. But the best way to do it is joining the Greensboro Commander Community's Discord channel, and you can chat with us and other members of our playgroup. Um, also, please don't forget to check out the Patreon uh, that we have. Uh, it's linked in the show notes. There's plenty of ways to support the Get Commanded podcast, but going directly on Patreon is the best way to do it. Um, there's plenty of amazing rewards in there for you, like uh, playing with us once a month, which is really, really cool. Um, so let's shout out the incredible patrons that are supporting our podcast. Stella Tam, Fuzzy, Bottomless Potamus, and a very special shout out to Fletcher Cutting for supporting us in the Space Commander tier. You are the best, Fletcher. And a quick thank you again to Palms Off Gaming for sponsoring our podcast. They create fantastic deck boxes, sleeves, binders, and other gaming accessories. Check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au. All right. Well, I guess um, at the end of every episode, it is tradition to planeswalk, but uh, I'm going to planeswalk myself back to Earth. So we'll see you uh, next Friday from another transmission from the Space Commanders. Hopefully uh, they let me out of this broadcast station nicely. All right. Goodbye, Commander players. Bye.